So we talked about how important uh, worship times were to our Christian life, and it was actually a discipline that God was inviting us into. And that's an example just right there that uh, as we step into times of corporate worship, um, we can get to a place where we can begin to teach our soul to be still and to know that he is God in the midst of whatever we're going through. And so, uh, but I'm not preaching on worship today, so I will stop there. Um, so yes, I'm, uh, I'm preaching today. Phil is away. Does anyone know what Phil's doing? He is walking. He is walking and walking and walking and walking. I think 10 straight days of walking, actually. He is on a pilgrimage walking across the UK right now. Um, so uh, for some reason, he chose the narrowest part. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but uh, there is a, uh, there's a, an actual path that kind of goes from little community to community and from pub to pub, and, um, and uh, well, we won't talk about that here, but um, so I just saw a picture from his first day, and, uh, and just beautiful, he was out there in the, the midst of the, the UK wilderness, so it kind of looked like here, there was a lake and some mountains, um, and then I saw a picture of his uh, supper, and it was uh, a nice English pub supper. And so he is enjoying himself. But you know what's really wonderful is I can guarantee you that he's spending a lot of time talking to Jesus. And uh, it's a real blessing to us to have a pastor who um, is, is not just forcing himself to do this, but actually desires to go and spend time alone with Jesus and to hear from him. And uh, so... And it's, yeah, I can guarantee he's spending lots of time. And so I'm interested to see how, what God has spoken to him when, when he gets back. Um, yes, amen is right. Um, so uh, uh, last time, I just want to get it out. You know, I did preach long, okay? Um, so, you know, and so I promised Phil this time that I would try to be a little bit shorter. And, and then and, uh, I said, you know, if I get a good amount of length, then my average would start to even out a little bit more. So then when somebody says, well, you're a long preacher, I'll say, well, actually, my average um, isn't, isn't too bad, you know. So, so if I start going really fast, that's probably because I'm like, oh, no, I'm trying to get my time. It's like I just, uh, last weekend I ran, uh, not last, was it last weekend? It was last weekend. I ran a half marathon. And um, yes, thank you. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, and, uh, and the, the last three miles were, were really rough. And, um, but, uh, but I kept trying to, like, trying to get a time. So I was like, come on, push through, push through, because I want to get my time. So if I start really going fast, then you'll know I'm just on race time. But, uh, yeah, it was really fun. Actually, a few, uh, like, uh, my wife, Manukia, and I lead a small group, and, uh, a, most of the small group ended up running either the 5K or the 10K or the, the half marathon. And so, uh, so Prentice Pastor Luke, uh, him and I got to start the half marathon together. And, uh, and uh, we both did really, really well. And we, were, we surprised ourselves. So that was fun. But I had been limping and hobbling all week. Like, <laughs> like yeah, it's bad, it bad. Yeah. So, and new injuries that you never thought. Like 48 hours after my ankle started hurting, I'm like, what? what? What's happening 48 hours? The day after, last Sunday, then uh, I woke up and all, all of my like, upper body was all sore and stiff. And I was like, I barely even used the upper body. It's like, it was the lower body. I don't know. So anyways, that's been, that's been my week. So, um, so we are um, going to be working our way, we're working our way through the book of John. And I absolutely love the book of John. I've been realizing that as we go through this series that John... Uh, 
is probably my favorite one of the Gospels, and uh, although I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but I, am, I said it. And, uh, and I just, I really love some of the, uh, the teachings uh, in John and some really meaningful verses I realize that I have held dear in my life have been in the book of John. And so that's been uh, fantastic. So we're going to be going uh, through the first half of John 13 today. So if you want to pull out your, your Bibles, and uh, we're going to take a look at what Jesus is teaching us through the event of washing the disciples' feet. So we know that Jesus was incredibly intentional uh, as he partnered with his Father in heaven and as the Spirit led him on earth. And a lot of the things that he did and that he said were meant to teach us something. They weren't just, uh, just plainly right in front of us uh, or even for the disciples. And this is a, an example of where Jesus said, you will understand what I'm doing later. So we're going to dive into a little bit of what that looks like. It wasn't actually just because he saw the disciples' feet were dirty and was like, this is gross, you know. We need to get, we, before we move on to anything spiritual, guys, we need to clean your feet. Um, there was more to it. Um, so to give us some context to the scripture and uh, when this is taking place, this is at the Last Supper with his disciples. So uh, chapters 13 to 17 in the book of John. Hey, there we go. I wasn't sure how many times I had to click there. I didn't want to, you don't, didn't want to like ruin things too, too much. But um, so this is in the, during the Last Supper. If you're a new Christian and you're like, what, what was the Last Supper? Is there a Last Supper in, in the Bible? It's the last meal he had with his disciples before Jesus was uh, arrested and then crucified on the cross and then eventually rose again. Um, and so this was the Passover meal. And, um, and so in John 13, to, uh, John chapter 13 to 17, we actually get the, the recount of Jesus' teaching and events that happened in the last moments that he had with his disciples before he would go and uh, die on the cross for us. So these are actually some really crucial chapters that we, we need to take in this teaching. So let's uh, give ourselves a bit of context here. Let's read through the beginning of John 13, 1 to 5. So it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own uh, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So, we are at the Last Supper. This is uh, after the Passover meal, so they, the meal was already in progress. This is, they've probably already eaten, and this is towards the end. And uh, this is before they would take the first communion before Jesus would lead them, the disciples, through the first communion. The other Gospels do not mention uh, the washing of the feet, and so they jump straight from the Passover meal to the first communion. But we see in John and the other Gospel accounts that Jesus communicates Judas's betrayal during the communion, or at least near that portion of the evening, and the taking of the bread portion. And after that, then Judas leaves. Uh, but the scriptures actually tell us that Judas was there during 
the foot washing. So just giving us some context here, that's going to be important for what Jesus was, the object lesson Jesus was trying to teach us through this, to know that Judas was there, because he references it later, okay? So let's, um, we'll see this a little bit here. Jesus answered, this is later in, uh, in 13, 26, just to give us this context. Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And we know he was breaking bread um, when he was doing the communion. So this kind of alludes to the fact that it happened during that time. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. So this shows us that Jesus washes the disciples' feet near the end of the Passover meal, but before he does communion with them, before Judas leaves. So Judas was there and had his feet washed by Jesus, and Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. It's important to know that Judas was there because during the foot washing, Jesus references that not everyone there was clean, referencing Judas, which we'll talk a little bit more about what that means later. So now we have the context. So everyone know when this is happening. So they have the meal. Now we're going to be stepping into the foot washing. And after the foot washing will come the first communion, the Lord's Supper that Jesus will lead them through. So let's get to, uh, to lesson number one that we can take from the foot washing. What kind of king is Jesus? So uh, to give us, now we're going to jump into a bit of a different context here, but why is Jesus even washing their feet? Why is this a normal thing? Many of you have heard this before, but just, um, just so we all understand, walking in sandals on the roads of Palestine in the first century made it imperative that feet be washed before a communal meal. People ate reclining at low tables at which feet were very much in evidence. Aren't you glad that we don't do this anymore? We don't eat this way. Uh, I was just imagining, like, you know, sitting down. And, I mean, imagine nobody had shoes or, like, we just had, you know, sandals. And, uh, and it's actually, you know, in some ways, there'd be some similar landscape here um, to Palestine and, and dry. And, you know, you just have, like, your shoes just look brown. You know, you go out with, like, white or black shoes. And after a hike or something, then you come out and they're brown. Well, that's all on their feet. So, um, so this was a, a part of their, uh, their culture, to wash the feet. So when Jesus rose from the Last Supper and began to wash the feet of the disciples, he was doing the work of the lowliest of servants. The disciples must have been stunned at this act of humility and condescension that Jesus, their Lord and Master, should wash the feet of his disciples. Washing feet was more properly their work, but no one had volunteered to do the job. So Jesus came to earth, not as a king and conqueror, but as a suffering servant, which is from Isaiah 53. He also revealed in Matthew 20, 28, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The humility expressed by Jesus' act with towel and basin foreshadowed the ultimate act of humility and love that he would go to the cross. Jesus' attitude was in direct contrast to that of his disciples, who had recently, this always cracks me up, who had recently been arguing among themselves as to which of them was the greatest, which we get in the Luke uh, gospel, Luke twenty-two twenty-four 24, says that. 
And I just think like, you know, they've spent these three years with, with Jesus and they're doing, you know, I'm like, this is human nature right there, right? Uh, you are, you're with Jesus. You, you know, most of them had, uh, if not all of them, had, re- had seen Jesus do amazing works, had come to know him as their Lord and Savior. And, uh, and now uh, comes a moment where they're, you know, Jesus kind of drops a bomb that one's going to betray him. And, uh, and now they start to argue, well, who's, gonna, who's the greatest? Because whoever's the greatest will never do that, right? And, uh, and so you can just imagine meal time. Now they're arguing this over their meal, and Jesus all of a sudden starts to get down on his knees, and he begins to wash their feet. Uh, so there was no servant present in the upper room to wash their feet, and it never occurred to them to wash one another's feet. When the Lord himself stooped to this lowly task, they were stunned into silence. Jesus is demonstrating just like he did when he came as a baby in a manger and, he went, and when he went to the cross that he is a humble servant king. And just like how those acts were intentional and they were needed for us, this was as well. We must not get into our minds that when we say that Jesus was a humble servant king, that Jesus is a servant who serves us by doing what we want. Jesus was not giving the disciples what they wanted. He, then he would have been their servant, but rather Jesus was giving the disciples what his father wanted to give them. He was, not the, he was the father's servant, not theirs. In John 13, 3, it says, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knew, and even as he served his disciples, there was never any doubt in anyone's mind that he was still their Lord. Jesus served his his disciples in a way that, because he was, Jesus served his disciples in that way because he was giving them an object lesson about some greater spiritual truths. That's why he says in verse 7, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. So, if this was only a lesson about servanthood, I would think, you know, the disciples were pe- ordinary people just like you and me. They would understand fairly easy and quickly what Jesus was trying to teach them if it was just about servanthood because he was getting down on his knees, washing their feet, serving them. However, the fact that he said that they wouldn't comprehend it until later shows us that he had something else in mind that he was teaching them. So, but before we get into what that object lesson, we still need to take in that first truth that, that Jesus is a humble and servant king. He is foreshadowing how he would serve us as he serves his father, eventually being obedient to death on a cross for us because we needed that. So he was serving his father and serving us because we needed that. And that's, that's the correct way to think about Jesus as a servant king. It's not just, I need this, so Jesus now serve me. It's actually, the Father knows what we need. Jesus is willing to serve us and give us what we need. Isn't that amazing? We have an amazing king. So this, this first, you know, that we get from this object lesson, even though we're going to see later that the actual washing of the feet was representing something else. But we see, even represented here, uh, that the washing of the feet, that our God, our, the fa- God our Father, sees what we need and sees something that we need, and He wants to give it to us. 
So he sees a need, wants to meet that need, and he wants to serve us and help us while he has sent us into the world. Because the Gospels all point at the end to, uh, to Jesus saying, now go. And he's giving us these lessons in the Gospels and in his teaching of saying, this is how to work with me as you go. And this was another one of those lessons. But we see here that Jesus, our Father, sees a need and wants to meet that need in our life. So if you just need to take that truth today, that's a powerful truth. That our God, the one who, is, who we said, be still and know that I am God. That he's bigger, he's in control. He's actually looking down and sees the needs in our life. And Jesus is serving us and through his spirit is willing to meet those needs in our life. It's really, a one, really wonderful. So this object lesson is teaching us that Jesus is willing to help us meet our needs, but we have to be willing to accept what we need from him. So what, we, what do we need? So what do we need while we are living for him in this world? Here we go. Cleansing and forgiveness. For us to remain in him, to stay in close relationship with him, like Pastor Phil has been teaching so powerfully the last few weeks, um, so we need to accept and ask for his cleansing. This is a part uh, and part of the design of the remaining in him type relationship that he has designed for us. So let's read this interaction between Simon Peter and Jesus because it gives us uh, some insight into uh, this this cleansing and forgiveness that, that we need. So this is in uh, uh, John 13, 7 to 11, if you want to follow. Ooh, 7 to 11. Uh, I want to follow along. Very Canadian of us. Um, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, I'm sorry, I've just got something in my mind. Do you know that, uh, that Winnipeg is the Slurpee capital of the world? So I lived in the Slurpee capital of the world for a little bit, so that's why 7-Eleven is significant to me. So yes, yeah. <laughs> there we go. A pastor always needs a few jokes. I mean, Phil always gets you guys riled up, so I needed a few. Okay, now let's jump back into. So John 13, verse 7, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So Jesus' act of washing the disciples' feet illustrated their spiritual cleansing. Jesus is the one who forgives. Washing is, is also elsewhere uh, used to symbolize the cleansing of sin. We see in 1 Corinthians. And uh, this is also in Ephesians and Titus. But 1 Corinthians 6.11. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So Peter and the rest of the disciples, minus Judas, had experienced the full cleansing of salvation and did not need to be bathed again in the spiritual sense. That's what he is referencing when he says, those who had had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their body is clean. And you are clean, he says to Peter, though not every one of you. And he's referencing Judas. Salvation 
is a one-time act of justification by faith. It's our first cleansing. What follows is a lifelong process of sanctification, regular cleansing from sin that accumulates from living in this fallen world. As we walk through the world, we still sin. Our feet still get spiritually dirty, and that needs to be washed away, forgiven by Christ. Peter and the other disciples, all except Judas, needed only this minor cleansing. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we come to Christ for salvation, he condescends to wash our sins away, and we can be sure that his forgiveness is permanent and complete. So know that. But just as a bathed person needed to wash his feet regularly or their feet regularly, we need regular cleansing from the effects of living in the flesh in a sin-cursed world. This is sanctification done by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us through confession and repentance and the washing of his word. And when we do, this is it. Harmony between God and us is restored. That remaining in him kind of relationship, being attached to the vine, this is the having a part of him that Jesus is referencing when he responds to Peter. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. He's saying, if you, even though you've had a first cleansing, if you do not accept my regular cleansing, then there will be distance between us. But he says, now I'm offering a regular cleansing where you can come to me and Jesus will serve us and cleanse us and wash our feet. And when he cleanses us, whatever happened before is gone. And we are new and clean and we can have right relationship and restoration uh, with Jesus and harmony with Jesus. And we need that if we're going to be listening to the Spirit as we go into the world, right? So if we, if we need that harmony with God to be attached to the vine, to be in that right relationship with Him, then here is the step, one of the steps that Jesus is offering us. And that's why it's something that we needed not just something that it was like, oh, their feet were dirty. The object lesson is actually they needed their feet to be cleaned at that moment, but Jesus is saying our spiritual feet can get dirty, and I am willing to clean them daily so that you can be in right relationship with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, and that's the kind of relationship we want with God, that close, intimate relationship with God where we hear his voice, we're cleansed daily, and we walk in step with the Spirit. And God has made a way for that. I also found it interesting that um, Jesus did this foot washing, this object lesson of cleansing, right before he would lead them through the first communion, first Lord's Supper. And later we see in um, 1 Corinthians that Paul encourages the church there to do a heart check before taking communion. And basically what he's saying is, come before God, have that cleansing before you step into communion. And as Phil leads us through communion, he'll often lead us through a bit of a prayer of confession and repentance, or if there's anything we need to make right with you, God, or others, that we're encouraged to do that before communion. And so even as he's teaching us 
this bigger object lesson, even the, even the way that he did it in the progression, I think, uh, was intentional by Jesus. So he cleansed them, and now he's going to lead them through uh, the first Lord's Supper, the first communion. Um, so now we're going to go on to lesson three. What does Jesus ask of us? So we're going to keep reading in John, so John 13, 12 to 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The disciples went through a very humbling and vulnerable experience uh, with Jesus washing their feet. And if you've ever, I've had this a couple times, if you ever had your feet washed as a sort of representation, it, it is a vulnerable experience, especially for our, uh, for our culture, because we're always, always hiding our feet for the most part, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, this was a uh, humbling and vulnerable experience that they had with Jesus. So Jesus demonstrates that humble servant leadership and forgiveness, and was now calling them, and he's calling us today, to do the same. After washing their feet, oh, this was later in 17, sorry, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So that was his encouragement as well, when he, after he said, do as I do. But after washing their feet, Jesus would go on to teach them about all these things uh, at the table, the promise and the work of the Holy Spirit, not letting their hearts be troubled, but to trust in God, staying attached to him, the vine, that the world will hate them, but to know that they belong to him, that one day their grief will turn to joy, and finally to take heart, have peace, because he has overcome the world. Those are all in the, the chapters after chapter 13. Jesus knew what faced the disciples in the coming days and the years ahead, and he knows and he knew what we would be facing today. And he taught them to face it by being a loving, humble, forgiving, faith-filled, servant kingdom worker, which they could only do by being attached to the vine. We are called to be a forgiving people. Rather than holding on to bitterness, resentment, offense, grudges, having judgment, of others, we are called to wash their feet, to serve them, as, and as um, our Father, as Jesus has served us, we need to serve them and to wash their feet and forgive them and point them to what they need, Jesus, because that's what Jesus does for us. This, of course, is not an easy task. This is why uh, Jesus told them that a helper would come and that it was greater that he would now go because he was going to send a helper that would help them daily in every moment, and that is the Holy Spirit. And what is important to realize here is that we cannot skip the first step. To be a forgiving, serving, and loving people, we first need to let Jesus cleanse us, to let Jesus serve us as he serves his Father. We need to let, we first need to let Jesus wash our feet being humble and vulnerable before Jesus and accepting his forgiveness so that we can be in close relationship with him and walk in step with our helper, the Holy Spirit, subsequently loving and forgiving those around us. The same message and theme are actually repeated 
later in the New Testament in James 4. Jump there now. This is a, a section of scripture called drawing near to God, which is part of what we were talking about here. If we want to be near to God, we need to be cleansed. It says, it says in James, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then I put in this little how question mark because the next verse says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the, lo- before the Lord and he will exalt you. And then it goes on later, right after that drawing near to God, cleanse yourself. Then he says, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And so we actually get this similar theme again in James, where we are being taught to cleanse ourselves as we draw near to God, and then to be a forgiving people, a non-judgmental people. And that uh, is repeated, that theme in Scripture. So to conclude today, uh, I want uh, to take us back to the interaction between Simon Peter and Jesus. I think most of us can relate to this interaction in our relationship with Jesus in some way. Um, When Jesus goes to Peter's feet, what does he first say? No. Uh, He says, are you going to wash my feet? Uh, And then you can see that it's going to happen. And then says no, right? And now there are many reasons we may first say no. Uh, we, we know Peter here sees Jesus as his Lord and out of respect and honor does not want Jesus to serve him as a lowly servant would, which is very honorable of Peter. And I'm sure many of us would react the same. That would be our first reaction. You know, uh, even somebody that we would highly respect all of a sudden would start to do this. Our first reaction would be like, no, no, let me do it. Let me do it, right? Uh, uh, we should switch roles here. Switch roles quickly here because it feels a bit uncomfortable, right? Um, so Peter first says no. Or maybe some of you, some of us here, just feel too dirty. We don't want Jesus to see how dirty our spiritual feet really are, have become. So whether out of pride or fear, we say no. But just think for a moment here. He's washing the disciples' feet, even washed Judas's feet. And he's washing Peter's feet here. And Jesus knew that as he took the feet of Peter, that Peter, in a matter of hours, would deny Jesus, would deny being a part of his group of followers, his disciples, out of fear of being taken. And Jesus still took the feet, washed them, gave them the cleansing. And so if you relate to feeling too dirty, just remember that Jesus even knew what Peter was about to do and still washed. And even Judas washed his feet. And uh, Judas would be the one to lead them to Jesus uh, to know where he was in the garden. And then eventually he would be arrested and crucified. Or maybe you feel you haven't done enough good yet for Jesus to wash your feet. You're waiting to present him with all of the good that you've done before, you feel ready to accept his good gift. Or maybe you would say, that's okay, Jesus. I can do it on my own. I'll do it on my own. I'll wash my own feet. I can do it. Or maybe you're here today and you've never accepted his first free gift of salvation and invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, 
to have that once for always cleansing of salvation. Whatever it is, Jesus is responding to all of us today saying, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So the challenge to us today is how will we respond? How will we respond? Peter chose in this moment to surrender to Jesus and accept what he needed, accept that he needed cleansing and that he needed help. He needed to be part of Jesus and not just do it on his own. So will you surrender to Jesus? Will you let our servant king wash your feet so you can be in close relationship with him and be directed by his spirit? So as I talk about a little bit what Peter went on to do, just begin to think about that in your own life. The worship team can come. So after Peter surrenders to Jesus here, I wanted to point out that, that he would still struggle with sin even denying Jesus just hours later, right? But after Jesus' death and resurrection, Simon Peter would play a significant role in the early church movement and the establishment of the kingdom of God. Peter emerges as a prominent leader among the disciples and takes an active role in preaching the gospel. In the book of Acts, Peter delivers powerful sermons such as his sermon on the day of Pentecost, which leads to the conversion of thousands. Peter plays a pivotal role in the expansion of the early Christian community. He serves as an influential figure uh, among the apostles and plays a crucial role in the Council of Jerusalem, where the apostles and the elders discuss the inclusion of Gentiles in the church. Peter's testimony and conviction contribute to the decision to accept Gentile believers without requiring them to adhere to Jewish customs. Peter plays a pivotal role in the expansion of the early church. He carries out healing miracles and performing acts of charity demonstrating the power and the love of jesus peter also participated in the conversion of cornelius a gentile and his household which marks a significant milestone in the acceptance of non-jews into the christian community peter is also attributed to writing two new testament uh, epistles first peter and second peter those epistles provided guidance encouragement and exhortation to us to believers emphasizing themes such as faith suffering holiness and the coming of our lord knowing how intentional our god is i feel that he included this moment in john of washing peter's feet uh, as a significant moment in peter's journey and there for us to read and to see and put ourselves into peter's position sitting at that seat with jesus kneeling before and saying will you accept my gift of cleansing and we see when peter accepted when peter surrendered then peter went on to be used mightily for the kingdom of god and i can guarantee you that jesus looks at all of us in terms of purpose no different than the way that he looked at peter and peter got to be part of the beginning of the church but he's looking at you today and he's saying to be in that close right relationship with me i'm offering a cleansing i'm offering my presence my spirit and i have a purpose for you on this earth because that's why at the end he says now go and do as i do so just for a moment you can even just close your eyes for a moment here god knows that you're still going to sin and he has provided a way for us to be cleansed god has sent us into the world and he knew he was it was not going to be easy he knows what you're facing right now 
And he's offering that gift of forgiveness and relationship with him through it all. The disciples were just ordinary people like you and me, and God filled them with his spirit and sent them out and had purpose for them, and he has purpose for us today. So will you surrender and step more fully into that purpose? Will you let Jesus wash your feet today? Will you let him be your servant king who knows what you need? Jesus, we are very humbled to be able to put ourselves in Peter's spot here at that chair. And there's so many ways, there's so many things I can even feel in my own spirit that kind of want to say that first no. But Jesus, we want to now surrender. We want to be like Peter, who was who given the option, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Today, Jesus, we want to respond. Then wash everything. Then wash my hands and my feet. Some versions even say, then wash my whole body. That's how we want to respond to you, Jesus, because we want to be in that right relationship with you. We want to experience what it's like to hear your voice and to walk in step with your spirit. To know that the sin of yesterday is forgiven and forgotten. And today is a new day. New mercies today. New love. New grace. And then we can then listen to your guidance. Be obedient. And go into the world. And be the light that this world needs. Jesus, if there's anything right now that's just coming to mind that we need to make right with you, we just bring that right now to that water basin where you're willing to cleanse our feet. We bring our spiritually dirty feet, all of the things that have just accumulated over time. Maybe it's been a long time since we have ask for your forgiveness and, and repentance in our own spirit. Maybe it was just a few days ago. Whatever it is, there's always something. And so, Lord, we just bring that to you, our, our loving Savior, our humble servant King, and we ask you to cleanse us today, to wash our feet. And we accept that. We accept that gift, that cleansing. And we know that you promise that you are faithful and just, and you have forgiven us of all sins, and you have given us your righteousness, which allows us to step into the wonderful, holy presence of God, and to talk right to our Heavenly Father, to know Him intimately, to walk in step with Him, and to worship Him with our hearts. We're so grateful for that. Thank you for this object lesson that you've given us here in the Gospel of John. Amen. If confessing your sin feels uh, like a daunting task, and maybe even today it just didn't feel like you could step into it, or if you feel like you have a lifelong list uh, to bring to the Lord, uh, and you want some help and some guidance to walk through it, and even and be able to focus on different areas, and to be able to do that 
even with somebody else who's going through the same thing, then I want to encourage you to sign up for our next Set Free Retreat here at Willow Park. It's going to be happening October 13th and 14th, and uh, it's a really, really wonderful weekend where that restoration in a relationship with Jesus is restored, and, um, and he brings healing into things that you think are just the baggage that you will have to carry forever. I can promise you, Jesus will journey with you and bring healing. And so sign up and uh, join Phil and I in October as we do that. The, the um, uh, sign up will be sometime in, uh, in October, or sorry, in September. And uh, we'd love to see you there. Um, and I would encourage you this week to maybe even go back to John 13 and to read through it and just put yourself into, those, into that spot of Peter and let Jesus wash your feet. Let's stand and let's sing together.